Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So today, we are going to be talking about parenting, God's design, following in the series of woman, man, marriage, all those things for God's design. And so ours this morning is uh, parenting. Um, Before we get into that, I just want to, for those of you who may not know us, this is Brian and I'm Leah Carl, and um, we've been in this area for the past five years. We were here eight years ago, or anyway, we've been here for a long time, on and off. And um, we have four children. You can put that picture up now if you want. Um, this was taken two days ago. Very rare for us to have our kids and their spouses and everybody together. But we have four children, so these four children have given us more than enough experience and more than enough scenarios, more than enough joy and more than enough sadness and more than enough all this stuff. We're not perfect and we don't have all the answers, but we do have what Jesus has given to us to help raise these, train these four children. So we have our daughter, um, Christy. She is 28. She's married to Dustin as of last September. They live in Portland. And um, then we have our son, Josiah, on the other side of Brian, he was here last week. Actually, Josiah and Candace spoke last week. And um, he is 26, and his wife Candace, and the two best, most wonderful, amazing, beautiful than any other child, grandchildren, are right there. <laughs> Malachi and Rua. Um, so we just spent the week with them here. And then we have Micah, magnificent Micah, 22, and his wife Shania. And then we have awesome Austin on the end there, 18, just turned 18, and um, he's, will be married someday. But (laughs) I said, wait a while, we just had their wedding in February, the other one in September, and Noah got married last week. I'm done with weddings for a while. (laughs) So it's okay to wait a while. Um, But this is our family, so just wanted to give you a picture in case you didn't. Maybe you know us, but you didn't know that we actually did have kids and who they are. And most of you don't know we have a daughter because she's not been around for quite some time. So um, this morning is for all parents. This is for single parents, step parents, adoptive parents, blended parents, um, grandparents. This message, for those of you who are not yet parents, for those of you not yet married, you're not yet parents, this message is for you because it does come from the heart of God. And, um, you know, as my husband said this morning, that is one thing that I like to acknowledge and we like to pray is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you what he knows that you need, who you are, your situation, your family, your children, different stages of parenting, different seasons of parenting as the kids change their seasons and who they are. And we all know, you know, we've all heard, if we don't know, of the seasons of children and, um, but God is able in the Holy Spirit, and we pray that the Holy Spirit, your ears are open to hear what he is saying to you, for your family, for you as a mom, or you as a dad. 
And um, so we wanted to start off with the scriptures that talk about who God is as a parent. Looking at, because he's our, he's our, we're created in his image. He, as we read this morning, as we sang this morning, as we know this morning, that he is the one. He's, he is the answer. Um, so let's turn, if you have your Bibles, it's going to be up here. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. And the New Living Testament is what we're going to read um, this morning. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 9 through 11. It says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? One sign or one aspect of God is apparent. He is there. He knows what we need. He gives us good gifts. He's not out to give us this stone if we're asking for bread. He sees our needs. He knows us. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 through 32, also in the New Living Translation, it says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so, so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all that your needs, of your needs. When it comes to needs and based on the topic that we're speaking of today, there are often times that we worry excessively about our kids. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Have I made colossal mistakes that are... um, you know, unfixable? Have I damaged my ch- child so badly that we can't recover from this, uh, this trauma that we've been through? Um, am I going to be able to provide for my kids? Are, are, is my family going to have enough to eat? Is there going to be work? Is there, is there going to be a roof over our head? Um, I'm the provider. We're, we're assigned to take care of these, these children and, and they keep coming. And, and is there going to be enough? And uh, we were talking and we had a family meeting on, in our vacation time because it's actually quite unusual that we're all together in one room at the same time. And, and um, so we had a family meeting, uh, I think it was fr- Thursday Friday, night. Thursday night. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about was how that when Micah was born or when, when Leah got pregnant with Micah, we had been uh, done uh, having children awesome. for about three years. Austin, I'm sorry. And um, so psychologically, we had finished, you know, God just hadn't finished yet, you know, and he's in charge anyway. So um, here we were, finished having children, thinking that we're finished having children, and all of a sudden, she ends up pregnant. And, um, and I just remember looking at her and saying, how, how did that happen? You know, <laughs> she didn't go into great detail, but uh, she just gave me that look. And... Uh, 
So the truth is, um, you know, there was a really emotional, uh, difficult time surrounding that, especially with, with Leah. And, um, and so we had to fight what we were going to speak over that pregnancy. And so we literally, at some point, it wasn't that we didn't want Austin. It was just that we, were, we had psychologically finished the, the time of, of, of having children, and we were going to raise the three we had, and God bless America. But um, the truth is, we needed Austin. God knew we needed Austin. We just hadn't caught up with that understanding yet. And so he gives us what we need, not always what we think we need. And so, but to line up with God's ability to provide, with his uh, abilities for us to raise another child correctly, um, we had to make a purposeful and intentional um, change of our speech so that us speaking over this pregnancy and over our son-to-be um, would be in alignment with what God's plan was for that season. And so oftentimes you hear us refer to him as Awesome Austin, and that's what we started calling him. Uh, before he was even born, he was Awesome Austin. And, um, and to this day, if you call my son's phone, um, his phone message that he made like probably I don't know. five or six years ago, ago, he's like, hey, I'm really cool. I'm awesome Austin. <laughs> Something like that. And, and he uh, will change it now, probably, right? <laughs> and, uh, but the truth is, he got the message because his parents got the message from the Lord that this was him, and uh, we needed to ju- adjust accordingly. And so now, as, as uh, Austin's 18 and, and has truly become this amazing young man, Uh, We're so glad that God had his way and we didn't stay determined with our own. But we had to line up our our words over our son and over that pregnancy had to line up with what God thought about this young man to be. And uh, oftentimes when we're raising our children, especially when we go through the difficult times, um, we want to tag them with a name. You know, you've heard of the the twos, you know, and they can be tagged as what? The terrible twos, right? And so we're either going to continue that tradition or we're going to come into alignment. I don't think God has designed for the twos to be terrible. Um, They may seem like they're terrible, but we're not going to let that child receive uh, the name terrible during that season of his life. And so we begin to adjust the way that we communicate about the season that we're in. In other words, they're not that tantrum. They may be having a tantrum, but that's not who they are. That's not who they're created to be. And I remember during that time when I was pregnant, as a mother's point of view, when I got pregnant, and that whole pregnancy, it really was a very difficult pregnancy as far as mentally. And I remember as a mother thinking I was going to really instill things in the womb to my child of rejection, spirit of rejection, spirit of he's not wanted. And I tried and tried and tried really hard, you know. So we picked out his name, Austin Matthew, and that means majestic gift from God. Matthew means gift from God. So even when he was in the womb, I would say, not even knowing that I could really grasp it still. I don't know why. Here I am, fourth child, pastor's wife. I should know all this, spirit-filled. I pray in tongues. I pray. I know the word. But I'm struggling. 
with these emotions. And after he was born, I remember for the first few, I don't know, maybe weeks or months, when I would put him to bed, I would say, good night, majestic gift from God. I would say those things because I had to speak to myself, but I also had to speak into him so that the enemy could not come because there are struggles that you have as a mom that, like I said, we're not perfect. I should have known better. I should have known how to do this, but I didn't. So what we do is we rely on Jesus and his wisdom and his ability. And it was probably... um, I don't know, maybe he was 10 or 11 or 12, when there were certain parts of him that I remember him saying he didn't feel wanted. And we sat down, and I remember I had gone through some training, sozo training, and and I remember sitting down with him for two days, uh, over a period of two days, and we worked through that. And I said, this is what happened when you were conceived. This is what happened when you were born. And we broke that power of rejection and all of that. So... When you trust and when you know that our heavenly father knows what we have need of, and he is there to give us good gifts. This is his design as a parent. He's a good father. He knows what you need. He's there to give you good gifts. And he will impart that into you, and you impart that into your children. We're going to read about that a little bit later, too. These two scriptures define for us God's intention and how he sees us. He wants us to trust him, that one, he's got our back. He knows how to guide us. He knows how to direct us through every, every uh, difficult time, but also every season. Every season requires a transformation of our perspective. We have to transition from one season to the next. How many of you know that you can't raise an 18-year-old the same way that you raise a 2-year-old? They're just different human beings at that point. And so if you don't transition, there's going to be a huge amount of resentment towards you as a parent from that 18-year-old. Trust me, the two-year-old, you can get away with a lot more. But, uh, but 18, whew, uh, yeah, they've got a mind of their own by now. And uh, so you're, you're partnering with Jesus big time uh, during, during those, those later years. And he calls us as he sees us, too. I mean, we have our own tantrums. But God, our Heavenly Father, sees us beyond that. He's a good father. Also, God is a parent. Psalm 32, 8 in the Amplified. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. This is God speaking. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We can trust that he will teach us. He will train us. His eye is on us. He sees us. He knows us. So that's another part of who he is as God, as a parent. Proverbs 3.12, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. Correction is, um, you know, correction is one of those difficult ones, isn't it? You know, how, how, how do we do that? How does culture say that we should do that? It changes from the 50s to the, to the 2000s. It's changed dramatically, hasn't it? What culture has defined as, as the proper way to discipline and train a child. So we have to find the balance of what it is for us as parents to correctly instruct our child. And let me say this without going um, super deep into all of that. Um, God's prominent foundation toward us or attitude toward us or demeanor toward us, 
The foundational aspect of his intention toward us is love. He loves us, period. And so if there's discipline involved, or there's correction involved, or adjustment to our way involved, he is absolutely in love with us in that process. So his intention is not to bring harm or destruction or even pain, even though sometimes we feel like that's what's coming upon us because of the transitional elements and having to face ourselves and having to be challenged with, you know, changing or, or transitioning or whatever it might be. But God loves us. And so as he's correcting us, we can be assured that that love is absolutely sound and it's intact. So when we transition from that mindset of God correcting us or bringing discipline to us, we must take that predominant demeanor into the realm of correcting our children. I love my children. End of story. When you find yourself correcting in anger, that's the moments when you're probably in fear. That's the moments when you're probably going to cross that line a little bit. And you've got to be careful of that. But let love for that child, even when you know that there's a correction that needs to take place, stop for a moment and say, Father, even if you have to like... Send them to the other room or something. (laughs) Seriously, we have because we haven't always done it correctly. And um, so you give a moment go to your room. It's not even so much in that moment you're punishing them. You're trying to gather yourself so that you don't act in a certain way. And we haven't always done that. We so we, we, in our family meeting the other night, um, just so that you understand that I, we, I didn't always stop and pray before I disciplined my kids. So come on, somebody. All right. It's a whole lot easier to preach. So, uh, you know, there was this one day, I'm up across the road splitting wood, and I don't know, it seemed like some of the kids were around, but there was a problem at the house, and, you know, and somebody came up, and I got a text or a phone call, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, I realized there was some, you know, some major problems, you know, mounting at the Carl Front uh, house, homestead, I should say, and, um, you know, I'm I'm frustrated because I'm trying to get the wood in and winter's coming. And how many of you know, as soon as June comes, winter's coming and you got to get ready for winter. And, you know, if you don't do it now, the wood ain't going to dry and you're just going to be in a mess when it starts to snow. And, well, you know, so, yeah, we're trying to get ready for winter and it's probably May. I don't know. And uh, so the next thing I know, you know, I'm all steamed up and and frustrated that I got to stop getting ready for winter because my kids are acting the fool. And, and uh, so I couldn't figure out who was wrong and who was right and which one started it and which one didn't. So I just lined them all up against the wood pile and I spanked them all right there. Amen. Well, glory to God. That's not what they said. That moment, trust me, that moment has haunted me from that moment. Because they weren't nearly as out of alignment as I was. And so, 15 years later, you know, whatever it was, um, we're in a family meeting 
with grown kids and some of their kids are sitting there listening and dad's saying, yeah, we, we probably all remember that event. And we joked a little bit about it. But, but I said, the truth is, that was a very wrong moment. And, um, and so we talked about that and the implications of what that had on them. And, uh, and I honestly think the implications on me were much more severe than on them. It didn't seem to have as, nearly as much trauma for them as it did for me. But be careful when you're bringing correction that you will uh, allow the predominant heart of love to be the motivation, motivation behind that. I will go so far as to say, if you don't bring correction to your child when there's a need for that correction, yes. then you're also not showing love to that child. Okay? So be careful not to go all imbalanced about, about what love is and what love isn't. Love is bringing correction. God brings correction because he loves us so intently. So one of the things that you just said was they didn't need the alignment as much as you did, probably. There's a quote by Andy Smithson. I don't know who this is, but I saw this quote the other day. The sign of great parenting is not the child's behavior. The sign of truly great parenting is the parent's behavior and how they align themselves up with God's word. And so the other part of that uh, for the discipline, because God as a parent, he brings discipline, is Hebrews 12, 4 through 10. I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. It actually shows 4 through 11, but uh, the main part is 5 through 10. So it says, Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either, which is what we're talking about. When we discipline... We don't shrug it off and say, oh, they'll be fine. But we don't also crush our children with that discipline either. It's the child God loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. This is why God is educating you. This is the point of discipline and correction. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. The trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? Life is what we're speaking and wanting to bring into our children. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best. It's not what he seems best. He's doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. There are times when that discipline takes place, and there's that moment of discipline is correction, but that discipline sets your child up for an opportunity to operate or function in a a realm of humility. There's humility being created in this child, not humiliated, It's a difference between being humiliated. Being humiliated is always devastating, psychologically and emotionally. Um, But one of God's unique characteristics of his way with us is for us to operate in humility. And humility gives us a platform for honor. When When we walk in humility before the Lord, we have an easier way of honoring him, submitting to him, 
surrendering to his way. It's an amazing thing. Humility is an amazing thing because it's a God characteristic. And so when we discipline our child, there's this room that's created. There's a spot that's created for us doing our part. And now this child is going to be positioned to be able to do theirs. And their part in this moment is not to have the expectation from the parent that that exact moment, they're going to get everything all aligned up and their emotions are all going to come into order and they're going to say, yes, daddy, you're amazing for giving me this discipline and and I go in the power of that disciplinary moment and I will correct myself in the name of Jesus. Most of the time, they're not going to respond that way any more than you or I do simply because there's a time now to process what just took place because the the disciplinary process creates a moment, one for us to operate in humility, but we want to have a realignment. There's a realignment that needs to happen during that disciplinary moment or time where we realign with truth. The Bible says we'll know truth and truth will set us free. We know that Jesus is truth. So when we come up in... Uh, we come up into his space, you know, and he comes into ours, there's a moment for realignment. And whenever we realign ourselves with his way, with his attitude, with his design, then there's going to be transformation. And ultimately, as a parent, I'm going to go back to my kind of tried and true statement that I picked up several years ago, and I've been using it ever since. My my primary role as a leader, or as a parent, as a father, as a mother, my primary role in these leadership functions is to empower people, whomever it may be that we're working with. It could be a two-year-old. My primary role as the father or mother of a two-year-old, or a five-year-old, or a 12-year-old, or a 26-year-old is to empower them to become everything that God has destined them to be. So if that becomes our foundational, or one of our foundational truths, then discipline, even for us, can take on a completely new perspective. It's not just correcting them because they ate cookies when they weren't supposed to. They got their hand caught in the cookie jar, whatever. Or they were getting lippy when they were 13 and they weren't supposed to. Or they said a bad word and they needed to be corrected because they said a bad word. Whatever. There's a billion things, aren't there? Holy smoke. It's tiring just thinking about it now. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, you get to that spot when you are the grandparent. You're like, oh, yeah, you fix it. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and fix that one. I'm, 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 I'm good. You know, you are the parent after all, son. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I digress. So we, She's the great equalizer in this equation. She can like bring it back to, you know, chase squirrels all over everywhere. And then she kind of brings us back to reality. Good squirrels. Help me out. As long as you shoot them. <laughs> Oops. And eat them. You shoot to eat them. <laughs> Which we do. We yeah, have. with Micah, we've been I grew there. up. My dad taught me how to shoot. We went squirrel hunting and we ate them. So, anyway. Okay. So, Psalm 127, she 3 digress. through 5. <laughs> She just chased a squirrel. Can you believe that? (laughs) Psalm 127, 3 through 5. This is God's view of children. Um, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. 
Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. It's because of his kids. Pretty awesome. But that's God's view of children. They're, they're a gift from him. They are a reward from him. So what are our instructions with these gifts that God has given to us? We just read the scriptures as he is a parent. It's to train, to guide, to discipline, to love, to empower them. That is apparent. Now, there are really good parenting resources out there, and I've used them. Focus on the Family was, like, the best thing I ever came upon when I was a young mom. And I use those resources. They're definitely good resources to use. But the bottom line is you learn, get yourself in alignment with who God is, you as a person. Get to know him because he knows your kids way better than you do. And you get to know his heart, and he shares his heart, his way, his, all of that with them to help us train, guide, discipline, and love. Let me Do, say this real quick. Um, she, she introduced this section, what are instructions, what are our instructions with these gifts? It's not the gifts of the Spirit, it's these gifts, gifts being our children. So I want to just insert quickly that if you see your children, no matter how old they are, because you might have children that are as old as I am, or, you know, older for that matter. One of the things I told Leah this morning was that I don't want, because we were kind of debating the whole thing about, you know, becoming your child's friend eventually. And I, I get that, you know, because the, the relationship does change. But I argue and we did argue a little bit, not in a bad way. We debated that we discussed. we discussed that I firmly believe that certainly I can be a friend to my child all the way through. And there is a correct way to do that, I'm sure. But primarily, my, my Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, created us to be a parent. So I'm a father. I don't want God to be anything else than my father, primarily. I need him to be my father. There's something in me at 52 years old that wants my father to be a certain something in my life. Now, unfortunately, he's passed now. Um, so that's kind of out of the question for me in that respect. But there are pieces of our relationship that were severely undone that I never stopped longing for to be there. My sons, as we, you know, I'm, I'm even kind of amazed at this family meeting thing that we do because we're sitting there. My dad did try to do a family meeting every once in a while with us or a devotion and, uh, it was a train wreck. You know, I will admit, it was a How train wreck. How many of you know family just, devotions? And it wasn't even his fault. It was just bad. Try to, have a, try to have a family devotion, you know, like out of the clear blue with, with nine kids that don't want to be there. That's like of every age group from 20 down to whatever. That's just, God bless you, Dad, for trying. But, um, but where was I? So I'm amazed at... We're sitting there having this family devotion, and we started at like seven. It's not really a family devotion, it's a family meeting. And we got done at 11. And I'm like, finally, I'm like, you know, 
I've I, I got to go to bed. I don't even know why I'm still up. I've got to go to bed. And they're sitting there still okay with the family meeting. And part of it is because at this season in, in our life, I'm listening to them way more than I'm instructing them. I'm listening to their challenges. I'm listening to the stuff they're going through. I'm understanding things that I got out of, out, out of the way with, things that I, mistakes that I made or we made. And we're acknowledging those and we're discussing them openly as a, as a family. My daughter's 20, 28, married, got a life of her own. But there's something in her that still needs her daddy to speak life to her, to be true to her, to be there for her regardless of the decisions that she's made or is making. See, sometimes as Christians, we get all fouled up with the kid that isn't doing what we need them to do because we're Christians. You know, we probably have a pack of those in this house. You know, the kids that, you know, just didn't go the way that we felt like they should or that they should go. You know, train up a child in the way they should go. And there's that way, there's an image to what that way means to us. And, uh, and sometimes we get really twisted up when they don't follow that way, understandably. But it kind of goes back to that quote that Leah read earlier. Is that way more about what we need because it looks good for us or they don't reflect poorly on us, that they're not an embarrassment to our faith? You know, try being a pastor and having a wayward child. It's brutal. In the sense of how you feel like it looks on your performance as a minister. You see where I'm, see, see where I'm at with that. So you're not only processing a child that, that may not be living up to the expectations of Christianity. You're also processing that through how is this making me look as a Christian or a minister, etc., etc., etc.? And so our daughter, Christy, was that child in our perspective. She was trying to communicate to us through her high school years about how to process life. She was our first. And she was our only girl. And this morning, God brought to my remembrance something that I said to her that isn't the first time he's brought it to my remembrance. But almost every time he brings it to my remembrance, it's like the, the air gets sucked out of my lungs. And I... Typically, we'll start to sob, which I did this morning in my oatmeal. <laughs> Seems like the oatmeal, oatmeal is the place. And we were, I don't know which location we were at. We were planting this church, and we were in one of the locations that we used as a temporary dwelling And I felt like her decisions were getting to a place where they were compromising the integrity of the ministry. 
and she was on the worship team. And after wrestling significantly with the discipline, I had to go to my own daughter and say, I don't think that you can be on the worship team any longer. And I'll never forget the words that she used. That's what made me stop this morning. And it's what's making me want to cry right now. She said, Daddy, don't do this to me. And if I had truly listened to her in that moment, rather than being more concerned about God's integrity, I probably would have not steeled my heart in that moment and just carried on with my decision because my decision was a kingdom decision and it was final. I should have had a clue that I had to steal my heart to, you know, to actually carry that decision out. But in reflection and putting the pieces together of that time frame, my daughter was struggling as an adolescent. She was trying to figure out how to be a young lady, a young woman in very difficult times. And I wasn't listening. All I saw was right and wrong. And I wasn't listening to what she was saying. And it wasn't words that I was supposed to be listening to. Because sometimes the words don't come out right for them. They come out all wrong. And they're saying stuff they they might not even mean and probably don't mean. It's just they're trying to communicate and they haven't figured out how to do it correctly yet with an adult. That's part of our job is to help them to communicate with adults correctly. And if I had listened, we probably could have navigated that season with a much different result. And I'm not standing here just preaching out of regret and, and all of that. It's not, that's not what the tears are because we've talked these things over as a family and individually. She sent me a text and Leah a text this morning and uh, you can read it. Um, came out of nowhere. And God has truly brought restoration But let me tell you the journey of restoration for me. I'm probably train wrecking our whole message at this point, but here we we go. Here we go. All goes together. So we planted this church and then God uh, told us to turn it over to another pastor and move back to where we were in North Carolina, which we did pastored there for four years. And then after that four years was up, I just had this incredible sense of 
responsibility to the marketplace. And after wrestling for quite a while with the concept, I finally got down to speaking with Pastor Al and going through a whole eight months of negotiating with him and talking and whatever. And, um, and I couldn't figure out why this huge shift was taking place. Why? I've been doing this for 26 years a particular way, and now I'm going to, what, just go, okay, in the marketplace? And all this last four, almost five years now, I've been asking the question, why? What is it? Certainly hasn't turned out to be this amazing uh, marketplace, you know, like I'm changing the marketplace forever type of thing. It's like, it's like a colossal disaster sometimes is the way it looks anyway. So this morning when I got to blubbering in my oatmeal, the Holy Spirit said, what if my asking you to come out of the ministry as you knew it into the marketplace was to release you from that spot where you felt like you had to uphold this image and you could become what your daughter needed you to be for a season. So this is what happened when I moved back and I didn't have that discussion with God about what I just told you. That was this morning, <laughs> you know. So sometimes you get the information why a few years later and he makes you cry in your oatmeal over other stuff for four or five years sometimes. So here I am moving back to Maine and we're going to do this business thing and it's a marketplace and we're going to, you know, impact the marketplace for the kingdom, yada, yada. And I'm working nonstop. Leah's not here yet. She stayed behind to take care of selling the house. And we had, I don't know, a wedding and stuff. Malachi was getting married. Uh, Malachi was getting born. And uh, all kinds of stuff was happening. And so it just wasn't convenient. I knew I'd be working all the time, getting started with my, my new venture. And so I moved up here by myself, started getting the house ready for them to move back and what little spare time I had. And I reconnected with my daughter on a very personal level. They know me as kind of the workaholic dad that just, you know, was always the ministry and I was always in the hospital. I was always visiting people. I was always gone. I was always working that second job to make ends meet, whatever the case might be. And so to them, I was absent a lot. I don't think they hated me for it at the time. They were just always wondering where daddy was. And so... Um, the Holy Spirit put in my heart the intentional thing of you need to love your daughter unconditionally. No matter what you see, no matter what she's doing, it doesn't matter. You need to love her like I love you through your mess. And if you'd like me to define what your mess is, I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I, I'm pretty aware of what my mess is. So, so uh, I got it. So... I called her up and I was like, hey, um, what time's a good time for me to come? I want to start coming once a week. And for whatever time frame that is, you know, from half a day or whatever it is, I'm going to get to Portland and I'm not going to do anything. But I'm going to find out what 
you have become, what you love, what you do, what your passion is, what makes you happy. And so she had become a chef. She was working in the restaurant industry. And she set up so that first it was Monday, whatever the date time was. And so I left work religiously every Monday. And I, without fail, I went to Portland. And we started going around to all these little places that she had found in her journey as a foodie. And um, we started having like these cool meals and she would take me into this place and she'd be like, yeah, Skull's over there. He, you know, he makes the most amazing blah, 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 something I couldn't pronounce. And so we would have Skull's amazing whatever dish. And, and I, I started to experience, you know, guys that I probably would have been afraid they were going to stab me or something, you know, cooking my food and actually realizing that they have a name other than skulls or whatever, and they're really good at what they do, and, and they're my daughter's friend, and they're important to me because they're important to her, and all of a sudden I just started getting this whole understanding of what it really meant to love my daughter, not what she could do to make me look good or how well she was doing in my perspective of her, her kingdom walk, but who God had made her to be and what she had become even apart from my interaction with her on an up-close-and-personal level. And I found out that my daughter was a really amazing person, that she had mad skills, you know, that she can, like we love it when they come over, her and Dustin, because he's also a chef, and they, they cook amazing stuff. Everything they make is just amazing. And it's a gift that, neither her mother or I really have in that, at that level. My, my, my wife's an amazing cook. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I you don't need like to speak cooking. For a while. I failed home ec, no. so there you go. It's a family understanding. You didn't get it from me. But I began to see my daughter in a completely different way, and, and what she was seeing was her dad finally saw her for who she was, And I wasn't trying to change her. I wasn't trying to get her, you know, into church. I wasn't trying to get her born again. I wasn't trying to get her unborn again or around the born again or anything born again. I just wanted to find some more good food. (laughs) What you got this week, you know? And I know one time we went on a little ferry ride over to um, an island where we just had this amazing meal on this old kind of colonial house with a big porch as an inn over there or something. And it was just the most amazing time. We took pictures and selfies and whatever. And it was just an amazing time. And that whole probably an eight-month stretch where I didn't miss a week. I didn't call her up and say, hey, you know, sorry, uh, work's got away from me today. And I didn't do it, not one time. I just simply showed up. Even if she was busy and, and something, and I'd sit in the parking lot in the, in, the, in the restaurant where she was. But I made it. For once in my life, I made it to her stuff. Didn't matter what was going on with me. And she translated that in a way that I didn't even have any idea how she was translating it. I just knew what I was supposed to do. 
And so in the family meeting Friday night, she simply said, yeah, we went through some tough stuff. Yeah, things could have been different. But the truth is, that season where you came and saw me every day, it was like you became the father that I needed during those other times. And we're good now. We're good now. I, I know, even in spite of the decisions that you felt like you need to make when it wasn't healthy, I understand and I love you anyway. And we're going forward from here. So this morning she writes a text. I love you both. (laughs) Have it together. Thank you for choosing life for me and our relationship. You both are an example, amazing example of love. Amazing example of love. It's just, it's interesting to me that that's the word that she tagged at the very end of that statement. You are an example of love. What what does she need? Obviously, I'm not a wealthy man. Obviously, we don't have a ton of things that we can do and some families are, so it's not about that. It's not about, you know, It's not about a lot of things, but it is about love. And I will tell you this. I believe it doesn't matter of what level or stratus you're at, financially or or in our world system, whatever it might be, whether you're a pastor or a parishioner, whether you're an executive or a laborer, it really doesn't matter to our kids. What matters to our kids is that we have communicated to them that they are unconditionally loved by their parents. Their friends can unconditionally love them. But when their parent unconditionally loves them, it's a whole new game. It's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new dimension. And so, how do you wrap all that up? How do you summarize all that? Wherever your kid is right now, however you feel like It's just a lost cause. They'll never get it. I just explained to you a very personal and private journey that I went on. And even to the point where God said, what if I did this? What if I changed your perspective of ministry and everything else to get you to stop and change your perspective so that that kid never forgets? or has the opportunity to understand that you love her unconditionally. That's how much he loves her. Loves her and loves us. He'll stop your whole world if you're willing. He'll, he'll, we've always said he'll move heaven and earth to help us to understand that he loves us, that he cares about us, take care of us. God will move heaven and earth. But what if heaven and earth is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, how about this? Can you stop and change everything so that we can send that kid a message? Because yeah, you messed up. It's pretty clear that you messed up. You didn't listen to her. You weren't paying attention. I understand you're trying to serve me. Good job, son. But let's fix this. We can fix this. God talking to me. We can fix this. 
I can fix this, really. He's saying, if you'll just, if you'll just be willing to go on this little journey. Now, he couldn't say that in the beginning. He had to do it in a way that I would comply. But the bottom line is, we did it. And the end result is, there's a kid that's life is forever changed because she'll never question whether this guy loves her or not from this day forward. Amen. One of those things that also it did, it didn't just change the perspective for her, but that filtered into our sons because it changed a perspective in his heart, in my heart, as I watched it from afar. But it also filtered then how we began to make a shift and turn with our sons, who some were still in their teens, still at home, it began to change that too, for us to begin to even see them in that different way. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, this to me sums it up. God says, or we say, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, speaking to him. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. This is the amazing God we have. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. When he referred to Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, in that, what that's talking about is belonging to fit it for that individual's character for their temperament for their personality who they are it enjoins the closest possible study for each child's temperament and the adaptation of the way of life to that temperament so he trains he knows every detail about us and our children he says get to know them as we get to know him he will show us their way that they should go. Get to know him. And when he said this, I had written this down. Don't be so busy that you miss your child. That you only hear their words. Because we have heard words. They've been written to us. They've been yelled at us. They've been, and we've yelled back and written back. Of things like, I hate you. Or uh, just the, all kinds of words that have been screamed at you from your children. Or that you've screamed back. One thing that God really hit me with was one time when my daughter was screaming some stuff and I just, you know, well, you shouldn't act that way. You should never be that way. You know, don't show your emotion is what I was really saying. You should always be this nice, kind person. And God just told me, you totally missed her heart. You heard words. Listen past the words. Listen to why those words are coming out. What are those words really? What is her heart saying? Get behind those, that heart. Get to know your child. Because parenting is not about you as a parent and your children. He's already said this. Being a reflection of you and making you look good. It's about empowering your children to be who God designed them to be. And that was from our son who sat there holding his four-year-old little boy. Yeah. My son is not a big, he's like me, he's not a hugger. But he has a little boy who loves the snuggles. So he wanted to come and snuggle. And he said, this is awkward for me. But I have my, but I will do this because this is my son's way. This is who he is. 
It's dying to pride. It's letting go of what makes you look good or what embarrasses you. And we've already said, we, the example of our daughter, the example of even our grandson who wanted to wear two different shoes to church. And he, I know. <laughs> like, I... It's true. Two different it's kinds true. of socks. Yeah. Things that don't match. I don't know. I'm like, what? How, how can that be? But he wore two different shoes because his parents were like, what? why not? I mean, what am I... Why am I going to... There are, there's a difference between, you know, there's the big choices and the little choices. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we bring in as parents, we teach, train, and guide. It's just not this big free for all, all the time, but we do that. But we let go of those things. We be committed to them and to their journey, celebrating your children. Be committed to them, taking the time. Believe me, we all know what it's like at bedtimes are the best investment you can make. I didn't do that very well all the time because after the third or fourth one, and we had one who, who uh, took awesome all Austin. the time, Awesome Austin, took all the time for bedtime. So they're the children like, yeah, just Here's get a bed, bedtime hog for sure. Oh, Light out. Um, but that is really, and, and allowing God to speak to your heart. You know your child. One child is, we had one child who's like, good. You don't have to tuck me in. I'm great. I'm good. The other needed it more. So just learn to know your children. Commit it to them. This guy over here, um, very intense personality. Very intense personality. And we misunderstood that intensity many times. Too many times. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the two-year-old thing, you know, and you, and you translate that activity um, that intensity as a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Once again, look past, look past the action and see, what, see where that kid's at. They're uniquely handcrafted and designed by God. That's one of the scriptures that we got, I think, coming up if we're not already over our time, that um, they are handcrafted by God with unique differences. Every one of our four kids, and I'm sure you can attest to this, our kids are all different because they're uniquely designed by God to be different. They have a different assignment in their life journey. They're, they have different assignments. My son is not a chef. He's a great griller, but he's not a chef like my daughter. You know, he works at a granite shop, and he's excellent and very skilled at making a granite countertop, should you need one. Uh, he's a, um, he's well he's amazing at it. He has the, the intensity to stay focused while that thing comes out exactly right. And you can't fudge stone. It's either right or it's not right. And, uh, and so that intensity was there so that, you know, and, so, and for his new relationship and raising his children. See, God knows the type of kids that he's going to be able to entrust to Micah yes. because of his way. Yes. And so if we're shutting down his way, we're actually robbing the next generation of the amazing personalities that will come into place and into being because we've shut down this generation. You see how, see how impactful our actions as family. So that whole concept of empowering people to become everything God has destined them to be, I would ask you to memorize that phrase 
Put it in the forefront of your brain and everything that you do, whether it's interacting with your boss at work, other employees, you know, trainees, whatever the case may be. That's a, it's a stand of humility where we say, my role in life is to empower people to become everything God has made them to be, destined them to be. So that boy over there, that young man over there, with all of his intensity, which we miss interpret as, as badness many times. And that kid got more spankings. Um, so actually, know. let me tell this, at the woodpile incident in the family meeting, he was saying, that he re- they all remembered that time. He was saying, yay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Christy and Josiah joined me in this. Hey, guys, it's not that bad. This is what you do. That's how he felt that day. So the truth is, you know, our interaction have been about, you know, the, the misunderstanding of his, his nature and his personality. And, and had we been stubborn and, and not, you know, able to transition to the heart of God, God knows, you know, where he would be at this point. We're filled with anger and rage and, and um, that sort of thing. So, so I'm, you know, I want each one of you to understand that we're sharing these things simply not just trying to air our family laundry, but simply to help you understand that raising kids is not a cookie cutter thing. You're not going to go even to this manual and find out the exact recipe for each one of your kids, other than the guidelines for love and... and Discipline, training, You know, all of those guidelines are there, but they have to be matched to the individual nature and personality of the child that God has entrusted you with. And so understanding that gives you the ability to say, okay, God, now I'm interacting with God on a very individually based level where I'm not cookie cuttering my family and saying it's going to be this way for everybody because this is the way everybody is and this is how I'm now having to step aside into, a, into another season of my life of child rearing and say, Father, help me to understand Micah. Help me to understand Christy. Help me to understand Josiah. Help me to understand Austin. Because I understand that they're all different. And if you've got young children and you can grab this information yes. and, and, and operate in it, you'll be light years ahead of where we are now with our kids. I told Josiah this morning, I sent him a text, and I said, I'm so proud of where you are and being able to watch you with your children. I'm so proud of the way that you're parenting. You're, you're way ahead of, of where I was at your age. And so I'm proud of you. I want you to know as, a, as your father, I'm proud of you. They need to hear that. One of his major things is affirmation. He's a, he's a very strong, resolute, kind of do it my own way, do it on my own, you know, whatever. That resilience of a, you know, that type of personality. He's very strong in those, those areas. But at the same time, there's a side of him that needs a father to affirm that he's on the right path. And there are times like the other morning, where you're struggling with his work environment. And again, like a miracle, I was on vacation. I was there. I got it. I was like, 
I just started talking to him. You know, we never talk before work or whatever. I'm usually, you know, we're like trying to wipe the sleep out of our eyes and get out of the house without having an accident or get to work without having an accident. But this is a different morning, and God gave us the opportunity for me to be that, what I'm talking about, to you, to him. And we talked through the situation, and that night in the family meeting, the only thing that he had to say was, well, Dad talked to me this morning, and I'm good. (laughs) So what does that say to me? That says, you don't want to miss those opportunities. You heard him. I don't even know what I said to him. It wasn't that brilliant or amazing, but it's probably just simply that he got to be able to hear me affirm where he was at, understand where he was at, and say, son, you know what? You have giftings that are amazing. You can do this. So let's wrap up. Yes, I want want to wrap up with this, that to encourage you, that just because you're struggling in whatever area, even if you have kids as old as us, whatever area, does not mean you're failing. Struggle exactly. does not mean failure. Exactly. You're not failing as a parent. You may have failed in some choices. You may have made some choices that failed. You may have done things wrong, but you are not a failure. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the Father is speaking to you that just like you said, I'm proud of you. He is proud of you as parents, where you are. You showed up here this morning. He is proud Seeking of you. Seeking guidance and direction. Good job. He's you proud of you as a parent. You brought a pack of kids with you. You guys did too. You know, you, you know good job. So you, you know? go forward. I think it's in Psalm 84. It says we go from strength to strength. Many times in parenting, we think we go from failure to failure, and it could be weeks at a time. It's not like you do this stuff, and all of a sudden, your kids are like wonderful. You're still not always seeing it, but you do it by faith. You take the word of God. If anything, when you leave here, you take the word of God, and you speak it, and you pray it over your children. One scripture I took from when they were very little, still do it. Isaiah fifty four thirteen. My children are disciples of the Lord, taught by him, and great is their peace and undisturbed composure. When I saw nothing but chaos and disturbed composure, I held on to, but my children, maybe in the middle of the night, maybe I didn't feel really great about it, but you said, my children are your disciples. They're taught by you. Great is their peace and undisturbed composure. So take the word of God. Speak it into them. Deuteronomy, we didn't get to read it, but I think it's Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4 through 7. Take that scripture, read it, read it, read it. It God gives us commands to know his word and to speak it to our children when they're laying down, when they're getting up, when they're on the road, when they're at home, everywhere. It's not that you have to quote scripture. You live your relationship with him out to your kids. You live it out in front of them. You speak over them. You empower them. You speak life into them. Pray over them. I don't care what you feel or what you think or what you see or don't see. Don't stop trusting that God is God. He's good. And your kids will hear his voice. And they will respond. And you will train them up in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. So you take a hold of that truth. Don't let it go. So let's stand together. One of the things that I've learned is that 
our kids are way more capable of processing truth than we realize. So there have been multiple times when I have messed up and I knew I messed up, like in the moment I knew I messed up and would simply go to them and say, you know what? I blew that one. I was way too harsh. I was frustrated. I disciplined you out of anger, blah, blah, blah. And I want you to know that I'm sorry and I was wrong. A lot of times we don't want to, we feel like somehow that's going to diminish our authority or whatever. No, kids are amazing at understanding authority. They understand what it is, but they also need to be able to respect authority. And so when you're out of order and you don't make that right, they know you're out of order. They may not have the courage to say it. They may get angry inside, you know, for the double standard or whatever they're seeing, but um, they know, and they very much appreciate the fact that you would stop and say, you know what, can you forgive me? Yes. It's a very powerful moment. And so... No matter how small they are. Regardless of where you are right now, regardless of where this message has landed for you, if there's adjustment that needs to be made, that's a good thing. That's what it's all about. It's about realigning ourselves with truth that will set us free. And I really feel to say this, if you've got that child that you feel like is just wayward and is never going to get back to right again, I would simply say this, you are grossly underestimating the power of the love of God. Yes. And he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or think. And so before you give up on that kid, I would simply say, ask God to start reinventing or reestablishing you a way to communicate with that child that is different than you've ever communicated before. If there's a gap, or if there's something that got communicated early on that might have started them down a bad trajectory, ask the Holy Spirit to take you back to that spot yes. where that trajectory started and, and ask Him how to fix it. I don't know if He'll take you out of 26 years of ministry and send you back into the marketplace. <laughs> and maybe that extreme, it probably depends on how hard-headed you are. But um, regardless, he will move heaven and earth to reunite you in a healthy way with the people that you love because he loves them more than you do. But never forget, he doesn't just love them. He loves you. And he's not disappointed to the point that he's just said, my gosh, this, this is a... This is a train wreck, colossal mess person, and I just can't do anything with them. You know, look at what they did to their kids. They, you know, just horrible, horrible. Church of the Holy Spirit, can you, can you believe? You know, how, with all of our help, how, how did they manage to screw it up so bad? He doesn't do that. <laughs> he does not do that. I kind of had to think that up, you know, like going against all the grain. Yeah. 
No, he's full of possibilities and he knows. Now, his way might not be what you're thinking. That's right. Surrender. I never had duck fat before. She's like, Daddy, we're having duck fat tonight. And I'm like, that sounds really gross. Yeah, it's like you overstuff this something or other and they eat too much and blah, blah, blah. And it explodes into this and that and the other. I'm like, now it sounds even worse. (laughs) They got hamburgers. It actually was pretty amazing. So he took me down the road with her that was meaningful to her more than it was meaningful to me. It became meaningful for me when I realized that it was important to her and God changed my heart to match his way with her. So I believe that God can transform your way and your approach. Now it's going to require you to take a deep breath. Stop being so stubborn. And listen. No, I'm not going to compromise. What is compromise? Come on. If God's given you instruction, it's not going to be compromised. Just do it. That's right. Just do it. Follow his leading. That's that walk by faith thing. Walk it out. See where he takes you. And you may not understand it for five years, but at the end of that five years or 10 years or two years or two months, I don't know what the time frame God will do something beautiful in you and in them. I guarantee it. Amen? So we want to pray over you, release you, but pray over you today that whatever the situation and however God spoke to you this morning, that you will have the courage to walk in that truth And that truth will not only transform you, but it will transform the lives of those that God's entrusted to your care. It may be a niece, maybe a nephew. Maybe you don't have kids, like Leah said. Maybe you're single, whatever. It doesn't matter. There is somebody in your life that you're probably like a father and a mother to that you can interact at this level with. Father, we come to you as your children. And we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for leading us and guiding us. And this morning, there's, there's some broken hearts in this room. There's tears that are just right on the verge of being shed, but um, just trying to hold it together. But that doesn't mean the deep hurt isn't there. Sometimes shame has has taken over, guilt. But God, as you've walked with me and Leah through our journey, and we've made, in some senses, it would seem like carnage behind us. And all we can do is look behind and say, Lord, how how did I make such a mess of that? And Lord, how we've seen you, even right up to this day, right up to this morning, 
continuing to bring healing and honor and relationship and, and, and restoration to our family. I just pray, Lord, over each family that's represented in this room. And I ask, Lord, for a divine unction, an anointing, Father, a courage that only can come from you to rise up on the inside of each person. And as this message somehow interacted with each person, to take that which needs to be transitioned and transformed and God walk with them into this next part of their journey. It's a part of this, their journey that's, that's ripe with reconciliation, with transformation, with humility, with empowerment, with becoming everything that you've destined them to be. Father, we know that there are times when we're, you're longing to take us to one spot, but there's work that needs to be done in us, transformation that needs to take place in us so that we can be trusted with that level of governing. And so, Father, I, I pray that we would stop, that we would hear your voice. And God, where it relates to the things that we've ministered today, Lord, let that process begin so that not only can the people around us and that you've trusted us become everything that you've destined them to be, Lord, we can become everything that you've destined us to be as well. So I pray, Lord, for an intense grace, Lord, to be released over this congregation this morning. Grace to process this message in a way that's not demeaning, in a way that's not judgmental, in a way that doesn't get translated as I'm the worst person in the universe, but God simply as, Lord, you love me so much that you stopped everything so that this word could come to my ears. Lord, give me ears to hear now so that this moment isn't uh, wasted or squandered. Help me, Lord, to, to extract everything from this moment, Lord, that I can so that that work that you want to do in me and that work that you want to do in those that you've entrusted to my care can be accomplished and that we can go forward and do what you've asked us to do. We no longer receive the rejection and the shame and the disappointment that comes, but we release and we receive the life and the hope and we embrace the acceptance that you have for us and for our children. In Jesus' name, we bind up those strongholds as they go forth from here. They have no more hold. In Jesus' name, we release life and blessing and hope. And so, Father, we just commit this all to your care. In Jesus' name, name. amen. amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.